0: Jews for Jesus, kind of like an oxymoron, isn't it? Like a vegetarians for meat? <laughs> Jews don't believe in Jesus, do they? Hey, Jesus was Jewish. All the disciples were Jewish. All the writers of the New Testament were Jewish. Well, with the possible exception of Luke. We're not sure about Luke. But what we do know about Luke is that he was a doctor, right? And I got to tell you, all of the doctors I know are Jewish. (laughs) Well, Luke must have been Jewish too. (laughs) Well, back then it was a very Jewish thing to believe in Jesus. In fact, when the first Gentile wanted to come and believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, (laughs) did this cause so much trouble? It took Peter three visions from God. Before he would go into the house of Cornelius and share the love of Messiah. And Cornelius and his whole family came to faith in Yeshua. Can you say that? Yeshua. In Jesus.
1: Welcome to the Destined to Win podcast with Pastor Tim Masters. Pastor Tim is the Senior Pastor of Victorious Life Christian Center in Flagstaff, Arizona, welcoming a guest speaker for this message. I'm Joe Harding, inviting you to join us for worship services Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 630. Join us at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ranch. For more information on the ministries of Victorious Life Christian Center or to make a donation online, visit us at vlccaz.org. That's vlccaz.org. Now with today's message, here's a word from our guest.
2: As you know, uh, Victorious Life is a firm uh, supporter and believer in Israel, of the Jewish people. Come on, yeah. We fly a, uh, an Israeli flag uh, in our church every, every week. I actually wear the lapel, you know, lapel pins and stuff like that because the Bible says God will bless those who bless his people. And, folks, they always have been and they always will be God's chosen people. And so we, we have the privilege. And I was talking to our friend this morning, and it's been, uh, golly, a few years since we've had them with us uh, between the move and, and different things that we've been going on. And, uh, but something that I've always tried to do in our church is to help us to understand, folks, a lot of churches today want you to think, that the Old Testament's over with and the New Testament is what we go by. I do not disagree, except for the part that the Old Testament's done away with. Okay, Jesus didn't come to do away with the law. He came to fulfill the law so that you and I can have deliverance, victory, healing, mercy, forgiveness through the blood of Christ that was shared at Calvary. Can somebody say amen? Amen. And so in doing that, we, we minister uh, quite a lot on the fact of, the, of how Passover is still an important part of our lives. Pentecost is still important. We don't always do a service to recognize those particular things, but we always preach it, proclaim it, and stand understanding that there is a place. Well, we have had this organization with us many, many times over many, many years, and the organization is called Jews for Jesus. And this is an organization that has one goal, and that is to see the Jewish people become messianic, to where they become believers that Jesus is the Messiah. Because folks, there's only one way to heaven, and his name is Jesus. And they have to know Jesus also. Can somebody say amen? Amen. And so it's been a a blessing for many, many years. I've known this couple, golly, for many, many years. And I'm going to ask Bruce and Tracy Rapp if they would just come. I'm just going to bring you right down here, Tracy. I know that you're doing. Let's welcome Bruce and Tracy this morning. It's not always that we get the blessing of having this beautiful part of Bruce's life here. She's only came, I think, once before. My goodness. Uh, Bruce, we've seen a lot. Yeah. Okay. But uh, we get to have uh, Tracy with us today. And they're going to present to us what is known as the fall feast. The time of year that we're in. Rosh Hashanah, the Feast of Trumpets, uh, uh, Sukkot, the the, the, uh, Feast of Booths. And so they're going to share all of that and how it pertains to our Christian experience. So, would you once again welcome uh, Bruce and Tracy? Thank you.
0: Thank you, sir. Just love this. Well, I don't know about you, but I've been to church this morning. <laughs> Hallelujah! Thank you, worship team. Wow, I just my heart filled today, and it was it was a blessing. It's a blessing to be back here at Victorious Life Christian Center. Um, last time I was here, you were at the school, and so this was my, the first opportunity for, for us to come and see the new facility, and this is great. This is beautiful. You are blessed. Yes. And um, yes. may God continue to bless this church and the work that you do. Yes. You know, yes, sir. You are worldwide on streaming. Well, I would have preferred you didn't tell me that. <laughs> All right, shalom, y'all. It's a pleasure. Jews for Jesus. How many of you are familiar with Jews for Jesus? Wow. Jews for Jesus. Hey Steve, I see you back there. <laughs> Jews for Jesus. It's kind of like a oxymoron, isn't it? Like a vegetarian's for meat? Jews don't believe in Jesus, do they? Hey, Jesus was Jewish. All the disciples were Jewish. All the writers of the New Testament were Jewish. Well, with the possible exception of Luke. We're not sure about Luke. But what we do know about Luke is that he was a doctor, right? And I got to tell you, all of the doctors I know are Jewish. Well, Luke must have been Jewish too. (laughs) Well, back then it was a very Jewish thing to believe in Jesus. In fact, when the first Gentile wanted to come and believe in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, ay ve, <laughs> did this cause so much trouble. It took Peter three visions from God before he would go into the house of Cornelius and share the love of Messiah. And Cornelius and his whole family came to faith in Yeshua. Can you say that? Yeshua. In Jesus. And when Peter went back to tell all the, the Jews and the converts to Judaism about the Gentiles for Jesus, there was such a turmoil. They didn't know what to do. They had to hold a council meeting on what to do with the Gentiles for Jesus. To read about it. true story in the books of Acts. I think it starts around Acts chapter 10. Well, I believe it was all part of God's plan to break down that wall between Jew and Gentile. I believe when we stand before God, he doesn't say, okay, Jews over here, and and Christians over here, and Charismatics in the middle. (laughs) I believe when we stand before God, we're all on even ground. Let me tell you, Jews don't have box seats in heaven. (laughs) And I believe the question may go something like this. Why should I let you into heaven? And I pray your answer is the same as mine. Because of he who sits at your right hand. Because of he who gave his life that I would have eternal life. Amen? Amen? And because of that, you share in the rich heritage of the Jewish world. You know, to me, Christianity is a branch of Judaism. When Jesus walked the earth, he didn't preach out of the New Testament. He preached out of the Old Testament, the Hebrew Scriptures. And um, as Pastor Tim made reference to, it's important for us to see the pictures, the shadows in the Old Testament that help us to see Jesus help us to understand the new testament how our christian roots are planted in jewish soil and so it's a wonderful time to come to a victorious life because we're in the midst of the holidays the jewish holidays we're in the year 5979 last sunday was the jewish new year Happy New Year. It's also known as uh, the Feast of Trumpets, uh, as it's written in the book of Leviticus, Leviticus chapter 23. It's also known as uh, Yom Teruah. And uh, it's a time when um, in the Jewish world, the Jewish people begin to uh, make what we call teshuva. Can you say that one? Teshuvah which means to turn back to God. It's a time when they try to get their lives right. And uh, the rabbis tell us that on Rosh Hashanah, God opens up three books. The book of life, the book of death, and the book of, well, we'll just see how it goes. You know? <laughs> and on Rosh Hashanah, we're making Teshuva, we're turning back to God. It's the new year, and everybody goes around wishing everybody a a sweet new year, 5,979. How do we get to that? Well, that's going back to the day of creation. Okay? That's how we do it. In fact, we have Jewish calendars on the back table, if you're interested. And um, that's when it starts. And so in the Jewish world, we're all reflecting on God and uh, forgiveness and getting right And um, these books are opened. And there's a number of different things that the Jewish people do on this holiday. One is to uh, blow the shofar. You know the shofar? The shofar, it's a a ram's horn that's used for a number of different things. It's used as a call to worship. It's used uh, in battle. It's used um, when the reading of the, the books would be opened with Ezra and Nehemiah, and they'd come together, because not everybody had a Bible. They'd come together, and they hear the word of God. And the shofar, Rosh Hashanah's two days, would be blown over 125 times in those two days. And um, it's calling you to come back to worship, get right with God. And we have a shofar here. I'm going to ask Tracy to blow it, because I have a lot of hot air, and um, I can't blow it. So there's actually a certain chant and types of blowing that are done, but we'll just have Tracy blow it.
3: (laughs) Pastor Tim said that it's, it's because of the elevation. So pray for me.
0: Living in the times of uh, Jesus or before Him, you know, when the temples were standing, uh, and hearing sound, you know, and and being called to come back. It's the season, you know. As I said, I can't blow that. And one of the ministries that I do is a prison ministry. And uh, last Sunday night, when the holiday began, September 9th this year, um, I was in the prison doing a Rosh Hashanah service for about 160 guys. And uh, probably about 20 of them were Jewish. Yeah. People go, Jews in prison? Yeah, they're in prison, not for murder. Yeah. <laughs> they're there for drugs and embezzlement, you know. But, and I couldn't bring in a shofar, so I bought this little thing. <laughs> <laughs> they loved it.
3: <laughs>
0: anyway, the shofar blowing. Other things that we do on Rosh Hashanah, which are very important to the holiday, is we read the Akedah. Now, the Akedah is the scriptures from cha- in chapter 22, verses 1 through 19. This is the binding of Isaac. And it's right on that holiday. And it, the rabbis teach that um, there were 10 trials that Abram had to go through in that passage. And they study that, and then it's all about you know, God's forgiveness, God, faithfulness to God, the Akedah. And on um, the day of Rosh Hashanah, one of the things I remember uh, when I was a kid, I grew, up in, um, I grew up in the Promised Land. Anybody been to the Promised Land here? Y'all been to Brooklyn? Brooklyn, New York? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, when I grew up in Brooklyn on the day of Rosh Hashanah, remember the holidays always start at night, so the night before, uh, we would make what we call Tashlech. Can you say that one? Lech. <laughs> spit all over the place. Tashlech. And Tashlich is um, casting out, is what it means. And it comes out of the uh, verses, Micah chapter 7, verses uh, 18 through 20. And what happens is, the synagogue, the congregation, and I've seen them do this in, in, in Phoenix. They would go up to Superstition Mountain, to the lakes, these Orthodox communities. And the idea is to take pieces of bread. And you march up, to a body of water, is it water or water? Body of water. <laughs> and you cast the pieces of bread into the water and the pieces of bread are the sins that you carry. It's rich. And, um, and the fishes would, would take it, take it down, way down deep. And this started in about the 15th century and it's done now all over in the in the religious Jewish world. Tashlich, casting out the sins. One of the other things we do is uh, we eat apples and honey. Because the idea is to um, to remember that uh, to wish you all a new a new a new and sweet new year. And we say Leshanah Tovah Tikatevu. Want to try that one? Leshanah Tovah Tikatevu which means may you have a sweet year and that your name would be written in the book of life. Remember? The book of life. God opened up these books. And so over the next 10 days, these books are opened and you're supposed to make peace with everybody in your life. And we are in the 10 days right now. And the 10 days go on till Tuesday night. And you're supposed to ask for forgiveness from everybody. And during these 10 days, there's a particular tradition that's done in the Orthodox Jewish community. And this tradition, it's really interesting, is uh, called Kippurit. And what happens is before Yom Kippur, you see it all lands on Yom Kippur, which is Tuesday night this year, the holiest day in the Jewish world, uh, Day of Atonement. But during the 10 days, you make Kippurit. And kippurit means to to get rid of, if you will, is one meaning of it. Or atonement is another one. And what they do in the Orthodox synagogues is they, they take a chicken, a live chicken, and they wave it around their heads three times. Imagine if Pastor Tim said, okay, everybody bring a chicken in. Yeah, They take this chicken, they wave it around the head three times and they say this prayer and the English of the prayer is this is my exchange, this is my substitute this is my atonement this chicken shall go to death and I shall proceed to a good long life and peace and so they take the chicken here's my little chicken and they wave it, this, this, is real, this is the real deal. They wave it, and he's squawking, right? Up. And then they slaughter it, humanely. And what they do with the chickens is they um, they, they give them to, to homes and to people. Substitutionary sacrifice. Sound familiar? I have substitutionary sacrifice. He shed His blood for me. My faith isn't in a chicken. My faith is the Holy One. The Holy One of Israel. Amen? And so it goes on, you know. uh, We come to Yom Kippur Sunday night. And on Sunday night, in Leviticus, it tells us, and these are all in the book of Leviticus, Chapter 23, and it says that uh, we should afflict our souls. One day, beginning—I'm uh, sorry—Tuesday night, beginning Tuesday night through Wednesday night, we afflict our souls. How? Well, today the way they do it is by not wearing leather shoes, by fasting, by not wearing perfumes, no underarm deodorant and spend the whole day in the synagogues praying and asking God for forgiveness. I remember going to the synagogue with my grandfather and he would beat his head, his chest, calling out to God, forgive us, forgive us for all these things. And I would watch him. Forgiveness, the Day of Atonement. And the rabbis tell us that on that day, God closes the books. Sealed for another year, your fate. And if, how many of you know a Jewish person? On um, Wednesday night if, or Thursday, if you ask them, did you fast for Yom Kippur, afflict your soul? They'll probably tell you, yes. Or maybe they don't know. Ask them if their sins were forgiven. And they'll tell you, I don't know. I can only hope. But hallelujah, I know my sins have been forgiven. Not through affliction of my soul, but back through Jesus. The hope of my life. And after Yom Kippur, they have a break, feast and we eat everything we can. You know, um, yeah, we really do. These are, are interesting people. We uh, generally go out for Chinese food the day after Yom Kippur, and um, it's pretty traditional. Well, after Yom Kippur, we come to the holiday called the Feast of Tabernacles, Sukkot. Sukkot. Can you say that one? Sukkot. And it's on this holiday, it's about eight days later, that, um, that we call out and remember what God has done for us according to the scriptures. We remember and we rejoice. And the scripture that we, we use and, and we build it on is, uh, and if you have your Bible, uh, it's in um, Leviticus chapter 23. Verses 33 and then 39 through 43. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying also on the 15th day of the seventh month when you have gathered in the fruit of the land you shall keep the feast of the Lord for seven days. On the first day there shall be a Sabbath rest and on the eighth day a Sabbath rest and you shall take for yourselves on the first day the fruit of beautiful trees, branches of palm trees, the boughs of leafy trees, and the willows of the brook, and you shall rejoice before the Lord your God for seven days in the year. It shall be a statute forever in your generations. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month. You shall dwell in booths for seven days. All who are native Israelites shall dwell in booths. Okay, so now here's the punchline that your generations may know that I made the children of Israel dwell in booths when I brought them out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. Now, I want to point out two commands that God gives us in this passage, and we'll look at the way these commands were to be carried out and how they apply to us. Well, the first command is to dwell in booths, to live in these sukkahs, as they're called. And these sukkahs, you know, are... uh, you see them in Jewish areas. Um, we lived in Chicago. And in Chicago, we lived in a very Jewish area. And the man down the street would put his sukkah up, his booth. And he put a, a futon in it. He put a, a hot plate in it. He put everything in it. It's no wonder that we didn't see a rabbit ears coming out of the top. Yeah? And he would dwell in these booths. You know, That's what God said. To remember what I did for you when I brought you out of the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God, to remember, never forget what I've done for you. And that's an important lesson for us all, right? Yes. If we forget what God has done for us, then how could our children know? That's right. As he said, that your generations may know. You see, if we don't tell our children, how can they tell their children and their children? And our children need to know what God has done for us and so these booths go up and I have some pictures of them and if we can start with the first one this is in Israel and you can see the booths some of them have windows I mean they take it literally they live in these booths and have all of meals and uh, so you can see here this is in Jerusalem and it starts in about 10 days i uh, go on to the next one Here's in Brooklyn. You know, they would put these out on their make ledges off of their uh, apartments to remember what God has done for them. On to another one. Here's a, a community one. And you can see the palm branches on top, and that's what it said. Take the leafy branches, palm branches, and willows of the brook. And the idea is that we can see the heavens through the branches. And we would worship in it. I remember we built one, my grandfather and me and my brother loved it because we used it as a fort. (laughs) But my grandfather used to get so upset, and we'd be (laughs) climbing all over it. On to the next one. You can see it's a a fall holiday. Uh, You know, there are scholars that say our national holiday, Thanksgiving, comes from this holiday. After all, the pilgrims were Christians, and they celebrated um, you know, giving thanks to God in the fall. And um, you know, it wasn't about football and turkey. It was about giving thanks. So maybe there is a connection between the pilgrims and, and, our, and, and this holiday, the Feast of Tabernacles. Actually, this holiday was one of three holidays mentioned in the scriptures, and I believe it's in Exodus um, 22, I'll check in a minute, where God commanded the children of Israel to make pilgrimages to Jerusalem and give special gift offerings. And we see this in the New Testament. The first one is Passover. And you know, a clear picture of that is when you see uh, in, in the in the, hall, in the yards of the temple, the gardens, all these, it was like a flea market, a farmer's market. Money exchanging, you know, when Jesus got really upset. You know the story. He turned the tables. Said, "You're making a mockery of my father's house." See, why were they doing? It? Jerusalem swelled up with people, in accordance with God's command. Second one was uh, Shavuot. Anybody know Shavuot? Pentecost. Fifty days after Passover, they were commanded to come to Jerusalem. And uh, we see a picture of that in Acts chapter 2. When we see up in the upper room, 3,000 got saved. you know. And it says they were from all different parts of the world, that world. Why were they there? In commemoration of what God had ordered, that they come to Jerusalem and celebrate the holiday. And the third time is during the Feast of Tabernacles. And so here you can see uh, this family rejoicing by having their meals in the sukkah. On to the next one. I love this one, look at this one, everybody's rejoicing, look at the cat, the cat's rejoicing, you know? Everybody's so happy, you know? Thank you, Lord, and you see the fruit hanging because it's a harvest holiday, the time of year. Go on to the next one, here's another picture of one, so you get the idea, on to the next one. This we'll come back to at the end, we'll come back to this one at the end. Uh, On to the next one, here's another picture of one, on to the next one. Okay, we can keep going. Yeah. And here in um, Flagstaff, if there's any Jewish synagogues, if you drove by, you might see one of these in their backyards. Or in the parking lots. On to the next one. Here we are again in Brooklyn. They take the word literally. I beg your pardon? A dollhouse. Well, the idea is that you want to go into it. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> on to the next one. This is the lulav and etrog. I'll talk about that in a minute. On to the next one. Uh, he's praying in the sukkah, the booth, feast of booths. On to the next one. It's also known as the feast of ingathering. Some believe, you know, that um, that Jesus would return at this time, and some believe he would return on Rosh Hashanah. You know, in Thessalonians 1, four sixteen, it says, with the shout of an archangel and the blast from heaven of the shofar, he will descend. Maybe some believe uh, on Rosh Hashanah because the trumpet's blown so many times. Well, it didn't happen this year. But if you go on the internet, you see all these people that are saying that that's what's going to take place. Hey, here's the sukkah mobile. You can order a sukkah, and they'll deliver it and set it up at your home. Seems kind of odd, doesn't it? Yeah, But think about it. We have Halloween stores opening up now. Right? We have Christmas stores opening up now. So if you lived in a very religious Jewish neighborhood, maybe this isn't that far-fetched. You know, and um, you can see he's uh, wishing on it. It says, wishing you a happy Sukkos. Um, Sukkah, Sukkos. So the Jewish people were called to remember. That's, That's great. We'll come back to the other one now later, to remember what God has done for them. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. And not only to remember, but to rejoice in what I've done. And that's what it said in that passage. And the way that we rejoice, actually, let's go back to where the man was holding the lulav. See the lulav? Yeah, that. Now, the lulav is branches. Three different branches that are uh, tied together. And it means sprouts. And uh, The three branches are what was written in the scriptures. The palm branches, which ought to be a symbol of our body. The um, willow branches represent our lips. And the myrtle branches represent our eyes. And the lulav sprouts are wrapped together. And um, the lemon, which is actually called an etrog, is supposed to represent our heart. And everybody in the home, before they go into the sukkah and have a meal, which would say a blessing. And the blessing would go like this. Blessed be the Lord our God who's given us the commandments to wave the lulav. Very nice. Okay. Waving the lulav. What's the big deal? Well, the idea is to remember. Well, let's hold on to this. With all my heart, with all my body, with my lips, with my eyes, I give all glory to God who surrounds me on all sides. It's rich, and we can draw from that. And then they would say a second blessing which is Lazman which means um, this be a Lord of God, King of the universe who has brought us to a season such as this, to this season, the season of the in-gathering. And I thank God because here in Arizona, we're going into the cooler weather. I thank him for the season for bringing us to this. And you know, this time of the year, we see all the different fruits coming up, all types of apples. You know, it's a harvest holiday. Well, you know, this was a very important holiday. But from the time of Joshua, all the way up to Nehemiah, this holiday wasn't celebrated. But when King Solomon dedicated the temple in 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 12, he dedicated the temple. It was on the Feast of Tabernacles, on this holiday. And God's Shekinah glory fell onto the, to the people and to the temple. And once again, it became a very important holiday. Well, by the time of Jesus, this was a, one of the biggest holidays around. And uh, Jesus not only celebrated this holiday... But he made some statements that uh, are shaking statements regarding this holiday to himself. If you have your Bible, ch- turn with me to John chapter uh, 7. Actually, it was First Kings Acts. I'm sorry, First Kings chapter 8, 2 through 5. I gave you the wrong passage on that. Where it was Solomon. John chapter 7. You can almost feel the tension here. The Jewish leaders were openly opposing Jesus, seeking to have him arrested. In verse two, we learn that it's the Feast of Tabernacles. Look at that, there it is. How many times have we read that? We probably just jumped right over it. Hopefully now you have a better understanding of this holiday. We learn that it was the Feast of Tabernacles and Jesus' own brothers are doubting him, daring him. Go into Jerusalem, Jerusalem's full of people. Show them who you are. Reveal your glory. And he said, my time hasn't come yet. But they go off to the celebration. And he comes later. Look at verse 14. Immediately there's a buzzing around Jerusalem as people begin to ask, who is this Jesus? Because he was drawing a lot of attention when he came in. Many believed who he was at that time. And he was uh, sharing. You know, this day, the last day of this feast. You notice that? It says there, um, look at verse, let's turn, look at chapter, I'm sorry, verse 37 through 41 in chapter seven. What does it say? On the last day, the great day of the feast. Okay, why is John making such a point about that? The writer. The last day of the holiday was called the Hoshana Rabat. The great day. And today they still celebrate this holiday in, different, in a different manner in Israel. But back then it was a water drawing celebration. And if we can go back to that picture of the high priest. Yeah, there we are. And what would happen on the Hoshana Rabbah, the great day, the last day, is the high priest would come out of the temple with two gold pitchers, And he would be followed by all the the Levites and the musicians, and um, you know, you can see the musicians there, and the Levites waving the palm branches. And he would make his way down to the Pool of Siloam. Remember the Pool of Siloam? And that's where people were healed. You know, and they believed it had angelic powers. So one pitcher had wine, and the other pitcher had went down and he took water. And he turned around and he marched back up. And they would be singing praises, psalm praises, I believe they started around 118. And he would go up to the temple and he would pour the wine out as a drink offering to God. And then he would take the water and he would pour the water out. And the idea behind the water was thanking God for the rains that he provided Remember, Israel at that time was an agrarian society, was totally dependent on God for the rains so they would have harvest. They were farmers. They weren't jewelers. They were farmers. (laughs) Farmers. And they were totally dependent on God. So they were thanking God for the rains, for what he provided, and that next year he would provide even more. And here's Jesus, as it tells us in chapter three. 7 verses 37 through 41, the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow um, rivers of living water. Then John goes on to say, but this he spoke concerning the spirit whom those believing in him would receive for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Therefore, many from the crowd, when they heard this saying, said, Truly, this is a this is the prophet. Others said this is the Christ, the Messiah. But some said, Will the Messiah come out of Galilee? In order to fully appreciate Jesus' declaration, and we all know it, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me. I have the rivers of living water. How many of you heard that verse? You know, and um, we need to understand the context of what was taking place when he said it. And John tells us, it was the last day, the great day of the feast. And it's the water drying ceremony. And Jesus is standing there in the crowds. You want the water? I got the water. If anyone thirsts, let him come to me. Out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. You know, and so as as we read this and see the meaning of this holiday it's my hope my desire that it helps you to understand more of how our christian roots are planted in jewish soil and therein lies the burden of jews for jesus to share the jewishness of our messiah jesus with jewish people who say he can't be the messiah he is the messiah and hallelujah, one day he's coming back again. Oh, yes. <laughs> and the burden of Jews for Jesus is to share him with everybody we can, Jew or Gentile. No difference, you know. It's not like when we stand on the streets sending out tracks or when we're on college campuses, you're not Jewish? Forget about it. You know? We share with everybody. We just finished an amazing campaign in Jerusalem I was there for five weeks. Tracy was there for three weeks and um, sharing Jesus. And it was called Larecha. And I'm going to ask Tracy to come up and share a little bit about this campaign and show you some pictures. So you can see, you support us, what, what's taking place with Jews for Jesus and the Jewish people. Need help?
3: Can you hear? Okay. <clears throat> so, Jews for Jesus started in the 1970s, and <clears throat> it was a bunch of, you know, Jewish, young Jewish hippies <laughs> that really started to have a thirst uh, for God and came to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, And from that time, Jews for Jesus started to share um, their faith in Jesus by frontline evangelism. And that's what we've been doing since the 1970s, handing out tracts all over the world, frontline evangelism. And we had a dream of sharing, just reaching all the Jewish people throughout the world. And in 2000, we decided to do campaigns throughout the world. And we did 77 campaigns. And we had a vision that we would end up, that these campaigns would end. So we were in Budapest, we were, um, Bruce was in South Africa. You know, we, we've kind of traveled the world a bit do, sharing these campaigns, but that the last campaign would culminate in the city of Jerusalem. And so 18 years later, our, our dreams. Uh, came true to fruition. And this past June, we had our Behold Your God campaign in Jerusalem. This was pretty amazing. And so we had um, 80 missionaries come from all over the world. Excuse me. <clears throat> 190 people came from churches all over the United States and some in, um, I think we had a church from Hawaii, But this had to be something different. So, through a lot of prayer, we decided how do we reach the Jewish people in Jerusalem? It's not going to be by wearing our Jews for Jesus t shirts like we do here and handing out tracts, because that's going to shut things down right away. So, we decided that we needed to do Vahafta Larecha Kamocha, which is love the Lord your God with your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. So l'arecha is your neighbor. Love your neighbor. And, you know, this is God's heart. This is God's, the most important commandment that he gives us is to love him and to love our neighbor as ourself. And out of Mark, it it says the greatest commandment, the most important, important commandment is this one. Jesus said, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no greater commandment. So we decided, instead of handing out tracts, we are going to go and love the people in Jerusalem, and that's it. And this is how we did this. So we had um, Bruce was uh, he worked out on a farm, and picked uh, vegetables and cooked, which I was really <laughs> shocked. But he he did he cooked. It worked side by side, <laughs> picking zucchini and then making it for the people there. And those were people that were. Maybe serving their time, and then the, um, if if they were in trouble with the law, and then the fruit that they picked and vegetables went to people in need. So it was such a great ministry, and we had an art show. And I'm going to show you some pictures of some of the things that we did while we were there. So we had an art show in Jerusalem where we invited the Jewish artists to come and paint a picture of Yeshua who do you think Yeshua looks like to you? And every artist is different. And so they came and they painted some pictures and showed what they think the Messiah would look like. And then we can go to the next one. So that's these are Israelis that came and um, non, not believers. And so there were great conversations that took place around the art because then you can talk about what, what does the Messiah look like? Um, are you still waiting for him to come? Or do you think that there is a Messiah? Is he a person? And wonderful conversations took place during the art show. And we can go to the next one. This is, this is you know, what they think Jesus looks like. And I don't know exactly what is in the bottom picture of, of that. But there were great um, abstract pictures and wonderful um, Wonderful, wonderful art that took place. And then the next one is, that's our branch leader in uh, New York, and he is an artist for real. So it's hard to see that picture, but it is a picture of a man hanging. And they talked a lot about that, like sacrifice. What would the Messiah look like? A suffering servant. So they weren't waiting for a suffering servant. They were waiting for a reigning king. And, and we know he came first as a suffering servant and that he will come again as a reigning king. And that is what we wanted to really share with them, that wonderful hope. And then the next one and a couple other girls, you know, Israelis painting their picture. One has a crown. So somehow she heard about suffering and a crown. So little bits of information that they've heard and we try to put it all together. And um, there's a lot of mistruths out there. And one of, one of the things that our, we do and our heart is, is to dispel all those mistruths about Jesus, about the church, about believers. Because people think they know what we believe, but, um, but they really have a lot of mixed up thoughts. And so we can go to the next one. So we, we worked in the parks in Jerusalem, and you would think Jerusalem is the most beautiful, pristine city, but no, it's very poor because most of the Jewish people that are Orthodox live in Jerusalem. So we'd go into the parks and help clean out the parks, and people would come and ask, why are you doing this? And wow, that was a great time to be able to share. Why, why are we doing this? Because people took vacation time, very precious time, money, hard-earned money to come and to work side by side, and not just see the land, which is a wonderful thing to do. Most Christians come to see the land, but an opportunity to now serve God's people in the land. And we cleaned out parks, and then there's another one. Um, That's Bruce, (laughs) the back of his head. Uh, He worked, or went into Alzheimer's homes, and uh, worked with the people there and helping them, and nursing homes and worked side by side with the people and just showing the love. <clears throat> and the next one. And so I, I went and uh, we just kind of said, okay, where are we going? Where do you want us to go? And they sent me to an animal shelter. And I was so not dressed, I'm ready for this animal shelter. I did not have the right clothes for this. But it was an amazing time of ministry. So I went into the animal shelter. It's a no-kill shelter. And where they bring, you know, there's about 300 animals there that they take care of in this shelter. And I was able to work side by side with um, all Jewish um, people that served there and worked there. Modern Orthodox, Orthodox and we walked the dogs, we cleaned out the kennels, we did a lot and they and they would just watch us every day, day in, day out and go, "What? Why are you here doing this?" And then the amazing thing about this ministry was, I think it's on the next slide. Well, there's me, there's me <laughs> playing with some puppies and there's Aviva to the right and I'll tell you a little bit about her. That that's an amazing story. So we can go to the next one. Um, So there's a picnic table there. And at the end of the day, we would all sit around the picnic table and get to talk. And every day, a little by little, there were people there with me from churches, which we would share faith. And it was never strong, you know, this was not Bible bashing. This was why, who are you? And, you know, why are you doing this? Little by little, we were able to share faith. And at the end of the week, the owner was at, was gone that day so they felt like they had this freedom to kind of hang out and just talk and you know how god works in such mysterious ways always at the 12th hour he is amazing we had these conversations and one of the um really really smart guy he was the uh the vet there said to us he said so so then you're real christians And we were all like, yeah. like People think Christians, there's a lot of people out there that proclaim to be Christians. And so they really saw the reality of what a Christian, who a Christian is, what they do, and why they do it. And that was some amazing ministry. And if we, I think the next one, is, is the next one the slide? Oh, these are Israelis, um, soldiers, pr- uh, they're not praying. They're actually on a tour, but that's in Jerusalem. Um, the Jaffa Gate, and then, because they're everywhere, they're all over the land, Israeli soldiers. They look like they're 12. I mean, they're 16 and 17, and they got these huge guns. And they just, this is a part of their whole, you know, outfit they just carry these guns around. It's a little freaky. Um, and then the next one... So um, I'm going to get to this in just a second. So the girl, the young girl you saw in that picture, which was, it was hard to see her, she's 19 years old, modern, orthodox Jewish, doesn't know a Gentile, has never really run into or had a relationship with a Gentile. Her entire life is her home, her community... She's, they celebrate all the high holidays. She doesn't know anything about the New Testament. And I spent a lot of time with her. Her name's Aviva. And she was so curious about our faith. And at the end, I was able to um, kind of pull her aside and give her a New Testament. I prayed all week about this because I wasn't sure what, how she would receive this. And she had tears in her eyes, and she gave me the biggest hug and just grabbed that New Testament and held it so tight. And so the thing is, when Aviva goes home, she's going to need to hide that New Testament from her family. And she's going to need to read that New Testament in private in her own quiet place. And that is where God is going to touch her heart. And that is where she's going to come to know the Messiah That's how it happens for Jewish people, most Jewish people. Yeah. If you pray for Aviva, I would really love to have your prayers because um, I'm just still thinking even today, she's got that New Testament somewhere in her room reading about Jesus. So the end of it, we um, we were out on the streets doing the drug, alcohol, homelessness, and prostitution. We had a team doing that. Um... We had teams um, in the serving the blind children. We were all over Jerusalem, and we were spread out because we didn't really want people to come to find out, oh, there's people here that are proselytizing. Um, so this was very fruitful. God really honored our love in sharing uh, with the Jewish people, and we weren't found out by the anti the the missionaries there because there are some anti-missionaries that can come in and thwart your thwart what you're doing. So God really blessed really blessed this. Anything else that I Do you want to show the video? Yeah, and the, so the video. It's about thirty seconds. The video. So this is a video of um, not this Labiel. Yeah, Labiel. Anyway, he is he grew up in Bethlehem. He's a Christian. Um, he's Arab. And you could see the excitement. So he's sharing his testimony. I got this because I won't, they needed this for our website. And this is showing his, he's sharing, it's, all, it's, it, it, it's in, um, it's in uh, Arabic, so you won't understand what he's saying. But he's sharing about how precious it was for us to come serve alongside. So I think we're going to show that now. Okay, so we're at the animal shelter. That's
0: Aviva there, and um, that's a viva this to is the right. Nabeel, yeah,
3: and Hi, she has you. been so awesome, helping us um, with the dogs and acclimating to everything. And um, this is Nabil, and Hello. he has one of the new arrivals. This little baby puppy that has a um, a hurt little arm um, and shoulder, but. Uh, he's going to be. She, she is going to be great because she ate really well today and um, she did such a great job. She's so strong. She's strong. She's going to make it. And Nabil, um, can you tell us in Arabic just a little bit about um, just how it's been having the volunteers come yeah. to help you um, at all? It was cut
0: off, little God. Really oh, okay. <laughs> Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Um, احنا هنا في الشغلنا كثير ناس بتساعدنا شركه لرعاخه رعاخه هون رعاخه اي بتضعد ان ناس مشان تساعدنا الناس هاي تيجي لعنا بتساعدنا بتسوي عندنا جو حلو احنا كثير سعداء انه هيك ناس تيجي لعنا كثير بعطونا قوة كثير بعطونا كخايه تكفى امل شكراً كثير لكم وعلى المساعدة
3: إحنا منحبكو كتير ونتمنى نشوفكو السنة الجاية السنة اللي بعديها شكراً جزيلاً thank you very much thank you so much okay okay <laughs> he was so cute because he because he's I don't know if he's Orthodox Christian I think he is but he's so excited to share his faith and so when we were there sharing, he was just like, yes, listen to them. They know what they're talking about. So that was, that was great to hear him in his native tongue. And yeah, and I just want to
0: finish up. I know we all want to get out. Yeah, um, you notice, I don't know if you noticed on his hand he was wearing this wrist strap. Yeah, here, here take I have this. Yeah. And the wrist strap uh, was these straps that we handed out to everybody in Jerusalem. It's actually these packages that are all in Hebrew. And the strap says, l'reeachah which means thy neighbor, and then there was a website. And we would hand it out, and it would allow us to engage with people. Love thy neighbor, that's what the Bible says. And we're here because who loved us. And so um, I brought a bunch of these today, and um, I want to make them available to you. There's two straps in every package, and um, you can go to the website if it's still up and it's in English and in Hebrew. Learn a little bit about lorayachah, thy neighbor. And you should have all received the card, one of these cards. And if you fill out the card and hand it to Tracy and myself at the back, we'll give you a package. I only have one package, and there's two straps in each one, one package for each person because I want to make sure everybody gets it. And um, just a reminder to love thy neighbor. Also, real quick, um, there's a lot of stuff on the table. This is a great buy, and this is a commercial now, okay? This is called Multitudes, and um, in here, this is a Jewish believer who painted all these pictures out of the Gospel of Matthew, and you know, Matthew was a book that was called to, uh, to the Jews, and she gives explanations on all of these chapters and these prints uh, that with a Jewish spin on the book of Matthew. And the book normally sold for 55 bucks. It's only 10 bucks. And it's a great coffee table book. So if you're interested, there's Jewish calendars that, back there. Come by and say, hey, thank you for allowing us to share with you. Keep looking up. Because he's looking down. And the tovah tiktavah. Amen.
1: From the guest of Pastor Tim Masters and Victorious Life Christian Center with this week's message on the Destined to Win podcast. Destined to Win is made possible with the prayerful and financial support of those destined to win. To donate online, visit VLCCAZ.org. That's VLCCAZ.org. Destined to Win is a production of Victorious Life Christian Center with services Sunday mornings at 10 and Wednesday evenings at 630. Join us at 2615 East 7th Avenue across from Cal Ram. I'm Joe Harding from Pastor Tim Masters and the congregation at Victorious Life Christian Center. You're invited to join us here next week for another edition of the Destined to Win podcast.